Welcome to Straight Outta Health IT. Getting into health tech is rough, but here's an unfiltered dialogue of healthcare leaders and influencers covering a wide variety of issues affecting healthcare and the health tech industry. And now your host, Christopher Cunney. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Straight Out of Health IT. This is your host, Christopher Cunney. And I'm so, so very excited to have this powerhouse individual on my show today. She is an amazing human being and is just making all sorts of major moves and impacting this industry in a very positive way. So without further ado, let me introduce you to Dr. Angelita Howard. Thank you for joining the program today. Hello and great day. Great day, everyone. Thank you, Christopher, for having me. I am excited. This is going to be an amazing talk. There's so much to talk about. So I know we only have a limited time, but I'm ready to dig in. I'm ready to go full force. Thank you for having me. Sounds great, Dr. Howard. So before we get started, let me just give you a very brief synopsis of her long and illustrious resume. Dr. Howard uh, serves as Assistant Dean for Online Education and Expanded Programs and Assistant Professor at Morehouse School of Medicine where she has been an integral part in the development and implementation of strategic plans in collaboration with academic staff for new and ongoing online uh, program expansion. Her current research includes faculty teaching and learning and self-directed studies, adaptive leadership, and engaging in biotechnology, health informatics, industry workforce development. Dr. Howard holds a bachelor's of arts in music, master's degree in both education, administration, and teaching. She has received a doctorate degree in education administration, a master's of business administration and project management, and more recently, a graduate certificate in health informatics. Dr. Howard's commitment to excellence in all that she does is inspiring and motivates all whom she interacts with to perform their highest level, especially in her students and the faculty that she works with. Recently, the Master's of Science in Biotechnology that she co-directs was ranked number one in the country. Wow, congratulations. She's uh, been proven to be a very effective leader, organizing and implementing several small and large scale initiatives that engage teams of faculty and administration. She's committed to helping faculty teach the learners and helping organizations build effective programs through strategic initiatives and assessments. And most recently, as of 2000, she was awarded as of 2001, Woman of the Year in STEAM Education. Angelita is equally committed to equity, access, and impact in our community. Welcome, welcome again, Dr. Howard. I'm so excited to have you on the program. Thank you. Super excited to have to be here. Thank you. So let's jump right into this, this conversation. Now, let's talk about healthcare in general, you know, how, really how diverse is uh, the medical field, the healthcare field, you know, and although the United States is growing more and more diverse every day, you know, the vast amount of physicians and clinicians still are uh, of white, a white percentage, a high percentage of white, uh, white participants, 56.2% to be precise in contrast with only 17% of physicians who are Asian, 5.8% who are Hispanic, and uh, 5% that are Black, and less than 0.3% that are Indian or Native uh, Alaskan. 
as well. So we have quite a ways to go on the healthcare side to close that gap, to have a workforce that's, a, that's representative of the communities that they serve. Yeah. Any, any comments or thoughts around those numbers? I, when I once I read them, I was really surprised that you know the numbers were so you know, anemic. Quite honestly, yeah. We uh, we this this is a huge concern. It continues to be a huge concern, and that's why you have places like Morehouse School of Medicine, like Charles Drew, like Howard University, like Meharry, who are trying to push, who continue to push, 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 push to train more minorities, especially in the black and brown communities, because guess what? As we know, as you know, for years, even thinking about COVID, people instantly thought back to the Tuskegee, even if they didn't know about Tuskegee, they were referencing Tuskegee because they heard about what happened in Tuskegee. And so there was the fear. So in order for to mitigate the fear of how I am treated as an African-American or as a minority, I've got to see more people that look like me who are going to treat me. Absolutely. And so there is, there continues to be this push of how do we educate more people? How do we get more people of color to be healthcare leaders or healthcare providers? And so one of the things that we did have done and will continue to do is it starts early on with exposure. Exposure. Exposure in elementary school. You know, sometimes instead of giving our children a video game to play, give them a video game that deals with exercise or or how to how to learn more about the physiology of the body. Give them a science game. Give them. I'm not saying that they cannot have fun. Absolutely not. But give them those exposures to things of the science. So helping them learn more about science, learn more about the body, learn more about healthcare. There are so many programs that are untapped in the African-American community because of the lack of exposure. So there are opportunities out there that are provided, but we've got to make sure that our elementary students get it, that our middle school students get it, that our high school students get it. Turn off the TV and turn on something different that will give them this exposure to robotics. Exactly. And to the therapies that are happening. That's right. Mm-hmm. No, I was just going to comment also that to your point. I, I remember growing up and my father was an educator, too. He was a teacher. My grandmother was a teacher, too. And I remember growing up, not only did I get, you know, a G.I. Joe or for those of us who remember G.I. Joe's that dating yeah. myself and, you know, footballs and basketballs. My parents bought us chemistry sets yeah. and microscopes and yeah. model rockets yes. and black history encyclopedias. Yes. And so they balance those. And we had, you know, we were one of the first kids in the block that had a video game back in the day as well, too. And so, but they did balance those traditional things that entertained us as kids, like baseballs and basketballs and bikes and things of that nature Mm -hmm. and video games with, you know, these other things that caught our interest as well. So I used to enjoy, you know, going outside and I grew up in the country, so I could go outside and scoop some water out of a pond and put it under the microscope and see all the little things floating around in there, uh, which was really cool. Or my brother and I would put together our model rockets and we'd have model rocket contest, you know, or I'd take the chemistry set and mix up whatever the next thing is, create my own little volcano 
and and it really had a, a huge impact on me because I gained a passion and love for math and science and technology as a result of that, even though I still enjoy riding a bicycle or playing football and doing the other more traditional things as well. Absolutely. Yes. We see you working out. So you still <laughs> enjoy those things, but you, exactly. And so it was exposure, exposure early on. So if we can get, continue to build programs, continue to build ways for our children to be exposed, then that's going to help us increase that, that. It's a problem that in the United States of America, less than 6% of its healthcare providers are African-American. That yeah. is alarming. It is very alarming. I was doing some research for this podcast and I, and I found there a report uh, from, I may butcher their name, but I think it's pronounced Sesamin uh, Academic mm-hmm. Consulting. And they talked about the applicants who applied for medical school and those who actually were accepted. Uh, in the Asian community in 2020 and 22, 21-22, 13,424 applied and 5,153 were accepted. In the African-American community, 6,169 applied for medical school and 2,124 was accepted. And then in the Latin American community, 6,000 people, 6,000, 6,000, only, only only out of this entire country of this entire country, hundreds of millions of people. That's right. And only 2,000, 2,100 were accepted. And then in the Hispanic community, it was 4,037 and only 1,500 basically were accepted. So we have a long way to go. We do. And that brings me to another point, Christopher. So when we think about when we think about healthcare providers, I always tell students that healthcare providing does not only mean physician. So right. you 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 don't have to go the physician route, but you can also go DO, you can go PA, you uh, physician assistant, mm-hmm. you can go nurse practitioner. But even beyond that. You have people like yourself who have dealt with the space of health informatics. So guess what? Healthcare providers can't provide health without health informatics. That's correct. They cannot. It'll be. Let me say this. Allow me to say that it will not be as efficient. Absolutely. You can you may be able to take a blood pressure, but if you don't have the technology or if you Mm -hmm. don't have those things that are coupled with it, then the care, the level of care will not be as great. So you have to have people who are in health informatics. You have to have people who are in biotechnology, who can study pharmacy and 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 know the drugs and and build those molecules and everything to in order for there to be drug discovery. So exactly. healthcare at large itself still very highly underrepresented because in the in in health information alone as well as biotech, you have less than twelve percent of African Americans in those fields. And then what's even more so alarming is three less than three percent in those fields are sit on some type of board right oh absolutely yeah and so there are huge gaps there are huge disparities and this is why the underserved continue to struggle in ways yes we've gotten better but i'm tired of hearing the first black this or the first black that right or the first woman of this or the first 
I applaud it. Yes, I'm excited. I'm happy because I am double minority, uh, black and then a black female. Right. So, but I, I I applaud all of the first. I love being, you know, a part of the first or celebrating the first. But we've got to move beyond being the first. I completely agree. You know, I, I wanted to go back and touch on something you said about technology and healthcare. Now, mm-hmm. you know, one of the terms I use uh, is you know, healthcare or technology is the next utility. When you think about healthcare today, the modern healthcare t- that we practice today, arguably you could not practice healthcare if you didn't have electricity effectively yeah. uh, in a hospital or a clinical setting, and you couldn't practice it if you didn't have good clean water in a hospital or clinic. And arguably now you can't practice good healthcare without technology. You know, yeah. Every clinical, administrative, and business decision that's made now in healthcare technology touches it in some form or fashion. And now it's become a part of the delivery of care. And so that computer, that mobile device, you know, that iPad is now a clinical device. It is now being used to take care of you as a patient. Uh, It's being used as you as a patient being a more informed, you know, consumer. And it has a direct correlation on the quality of care that's delivered. And if you can go and you can go into most underserved communities. And one thing you'll notice very quickly is their lack of access to technology. And that will have a direct impact on their quality of care. So to that point, and then I also want to touch on the the lack of minorities or the limited amount of minorities that are still that still exist in our field. I remember coming into this field back in the early 2000s, and was very blessed to have really good mentors and, and folks who helped cultivate my career. And I remember when I decided to pursue a career as a CIO and I would participate in various association meetings and just board meetings or executive meetings. And I'd look around and I'm the only one in the room. Mm, and, yeah. uh, and that was, you know, less than 20 years ago. Yeah. And today, you know, I look around in some of those rooms and it's gotten better. Uh, for sure. But we still have a long way to go. I don't see that many African-American female CIOs in healthcare. I don't see very many African, uh, Hispanic (laughs) or Asian CIOs and CTOs in healthcare. You see more on the administrative side, but definitely, you know, when you talk about technology, there's still quite a bit of ways to go there as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so, again, one of the things that we at Morehouse School of Medicine continues to do in that space or has started to doing is we built bridge pipeline. We have a master of science in health informatics, a master of science in biotechnology, these areas. But we have a bridge program, a pipeline program that introduces, I talked earlier as we were talking about how do we expose, well, it introduces people, especially minorities, to these specialized fields, to health informatics, to biotechnology, so that they understand there's a pathway, a pipeline to get to these industries and to work in these fields. And so we've done this with the help people like yourself, with the help of of, of hymns and other organizations who know that there are disparities 
and diversity gaps. And so they've supported the work. You all continue to support the work and how do we expose more minorities to these fields so that we can increase that population. We've got to, you know, these are ways, these are ways that we continue. If And if we don't, we will see a decrease and no one wants to see a decrease. We're trying to incline, we're trying to see an increase. Absolutely. And someone who is, who is a uh, alumni of an HBCU, I'm so excited to see us take control of our own destiny mm-hmm. and start to develop these programs within our own community as well, too. Nothing to say disparaging against, you know, the predominantly white institutions. I think they do a great job and continue to do a great job in producing quality students and, and those who have an interest in attending those schools, they should do that as well. But then there's those who do enjoy attending and find value in attending HBCUs and HBCUs have to also understand where the industries are going and provide the academic curriculum to support where these industry gaps uh, exist today and start to fill that pipeline with students of color. And quite honestly, white students who may want to go to HBCU and get that experience as well. You have an option to get a quality education there in these fields of study also. And so I'm excited and very biased about the program at Morehouse too, because obviously I serve as an advisor to that program and also one of your adjunct instructors for the pipeline program. And and it's so amazing to see and talk to the students afterwards. I've had some reach out to me on LinkedIn or even attending HIMSS events as well too, because I think those are equally important as just getting the academic side of it. You got to network, you've got to align yourself with these associations like HIMSS and others, where you can start to learn more about what's happening in the industry and, and, and identify potential opportunities, mentors and, and sponsors to support you in your career development. And so I'm excited to hear what's happening at Morehouse. And maybe you can delve a little bit more into the t- programs there, because I know you've got bioscience, you've got health informatics. And I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong here, you guys are doing a medical cannabis program as well, too? Yeah. So it's exciting things yeah. happening. We we launched our health informatics program last year, as you well know, because you've served as the, the chair for that Uh, external advisory board. Thank you so much. But yes, we have the biotechnology program and we have health informatics and newly this year coming up, we'll have a concentration in medical cannabis therapeutics. So as some of you may know, or as you continue to follow the different, the country, as it relates to medical cannabis therapy, we understand people, the the science, the knowledge is, is, is growing and gaining in the success for patients, young and old, older patients to use medical cannabis for their therapy, for their treatment as a natural remedy of towards healthcare, towards pain and, and, and different ailments that are happening. So we are excited about that concentration. And then in January, we will actually have the Master of Science in Medical Cannabis Therapeutics. So it is a great time to, to be a part of what we're doing at Morehouse School of Medicine. I want to go back to what you said earlier about sure. minority or the majority taking courses, you know, uh, Caucasian taking courses at Morehouse School of Medicine. Absolutely. That is, we certainly welcome it. Just because you are at an HBCU does not mean you have to be a minority or black and brown or Asian or Indian, African-American. We welcome because we want to make sure that from a health equity standpoint, that you understand health equity and how that plays a role. It's hard for you to live. And, and, and for those 
who live in Atlanta listening to this, it's hard for you to have lived in Buckhead all of your life. And then you have to go down to Thomasville and, and treat someone. You may not know the, it, it, you're, you're, the experience is going to be different. Exactly. The tone is going to be different. The method in transportation or how a person, the social determinants of health right. is going to be completely different. And so to be exposed to institution that foundation is based upon health equity is is what we want to strive to do. We want to train more people, not just of color, but people of different racial backgrounds so that they too can treat that we can treat people no matter what your socioeconomic right. status is, you will receive the same fair treatment. Exactly. And we know that's not the case. That, that's and true. So- I mean, I, there is inherent bias in our in all fields of endeavoring and healthcare is not exclusive to that at all. And, and I, I just also wanted to point out that health disparity is not just a black or white or brown issue. It To your point, you pointed out, it could be someone who's come from a, an urban environment and now practicing healthcare in a rural community. And the differences in communication, the culture, all of that can play into whether or not that patient feels comfortable with their healthcare provider. And so having exposure to that and being sensitive to that is just as equally as important as understanding someone's cultural background or language or, uh, or religion or even sexual orientation as well, too. I mean, those things now play a major factor in those social determinants of health. Absolutely. So why do you think it's important for HBCUs to to take on this mantle and be responsible for creating this pipeline? It is it is important for HBCUs because we know how to train people. And I'm not saying that other let me and I probably said that wrong and I might be ding. It's not. But it's training our own and, and being being invested in our own in a different manner. Right. We the the culture, the 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 community that we put around our students, we know what works. We know it. We've tried it. We've made sure that we have the I call it we call it the special, the secret sauce to making sure that our students are trained to making sure that they are a lot of times. the, The reason why there are large gaps in even let's say the SAT or the MCAT, SAT mm-hmm. for high school, or or these standardized tests. Well, you take a person who may have had access to go to tutorials. They may have been able to take the the, the courses, the preparation courses or classes. Exactly. Then you may have a minority student or African American Black student. They may have struggled just to get money to take the SAT or struggled to get money just to take the MCAT or strip standardized test scores. They may not have had the extra tutorial money or extra exam preparation. And so, but, but they are brilliant students. They may not just have had whatever those little other opportunities, because again, social determinants of education or whatever you want to sure. call them, they, they didn't have those as an advantage or opportunity. So they may not have performed as well. But what we do know is there are certain there are other measures outside of those standardized tests that we'll take and say, hey, we know you have all of this other things, all of these other great qualities that you've done, we're going to help you so that we're going to cultivate you. We're going to circle you. We're going to give you the resources so that you can do well. Absolutely. Sometimes when you're in a school of 
a PWI, primary white institution, and you have 10 other thousand students, I'm not, you're not going to get the same type of help. You're not going to get the same type of community around you. If you don't show up for class, you just don't show up for class. Exactly. But if you don't show up for class in, at Morehouse School of Medicine, I'm coming for you. That's I'm right. going to say, where are you? Why weren't you in class? I haven't exactly. seen you in two weeks. You haven't submitted work. So there, there's there a go. difference in there, there, you know, and, and people can argue all day long and say they're, you know, education is education. This is true. Education is education. But at the same time, the culture and what the HBCU serves is completely different. My daughter, who's at Tennessee State University, she never thought she would go to an HBCU. But she said, Mom, I would not do well in other places. I love the community. I love what's happening here. I love the opportunities. I just don't think if I had gone somewhere else, I would have the attention that I needed to be successful in the work that I'm doing. I completely agree. Speaking as, again, an alumni of an HBCU and a predominantly white institution, which both were excellent educational programs Mm -hmm. that nurturing nurturing I got as a very young college student in a very tough field, you know, of computer science. And I got my minor in mathematics and I hated math at the time. It was really important to have those nurturing instructors and those small classroom sizes that supported me in my, my academic journey. When I struggle, my instructors were there for me as well, too. So I can sincerely appreciate that. We could talk for hours on this topic, but unfortunately, I've got to wrap this episode up. Yes. So I've got a couple of things I I typically ask my my guests. I call it my kind of rapid round with some fun questions I ask uh, just for our audience to know a little bit more about you. And so I'm going to shoot you a couple of questions and you, you just respond with the first thing that comes in your head. Oh, gosh. OK, okay. <laughs> first one is your your favorite dessert. Chocolate cake. Favorite t- TV show growing up as a kid. Favorite TV show growing up as a kid. Oh, my gosh. I think. Oh, the Jetsons. The Jetsons. I love it. Favorite hobby or pastime. And I know the answer to this. Sleep. Oh, sleep. Oh, that wasn't what I was going to say. I was going to say singing. Sing, sing. Well, yeah, yeah. So singing, yes. I, but I, I, I can take a good nap. Like, okay, there you go. Yes, but yes, no. I would say yes, singing. Yes, I like <laughs> that's yes. great. Favorite, favorite artist, author, musician, performer, or all the above. Wow. Ooh, that's tough as a musician. I know. Oh right? my goodness, that yeah. is tough. Well, let me say this. I absolutely, without a doubt, am a Patty, Tina, t- Tina Turner, Patty, LaBelle type fan. Like that, that, you know, they are the queens classic. of, that's right. The queens of R&B. And so, yes. So yeah. I, I'm going to have to stick safe on that side. I mean, I, I can do a good show with Beyonce, but I, I will stick on the other side. There you go. <laughs> two things on your bucket list that you completed. Two things. Well, two things on my this summer pipeline, mm-hmm. I didn't know it was going to be on my bucket list, but I'm it since it is has been on my bucket list since I started the mm-hmm. work. I absolutely am glad that and well, let's maybe, just stick with, we'll stick with the one. Okay, thank you. Okay, I'll, I'll go let you off. my daughter to yeah. college. Oh, there you go. I know, right? That, that, yes. that's, that's, that's I know that's been on my bucket list, and and now I'm trying to get him out of school. Yes, <laughs> yes. Uh, what's still on your bucket list? One thing. What's the marriage? Okay, marriage, absolutely. And then finally, if you choose to answer this question, brandy, scotch, bourbon, vodka, or tequila. 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 
<laughs> Sounds great. Well, I want to thank you so much, Dr. Howard, for, for coming on the program and having this, this important conversation with us. I got to have you back. This subject is too important just to have one uh, episode on it. And so I, I promise to bring you back if you're willing to come back and, and continue the discussion. And the other thing I wanted to ask you to do, if you would share information on how people who might be interested in a pipeline program or the master's degree programs, how, how can they reach you or the folks that can provide more detail on that? Yeah, I would just say go to our website, www.msm.edu forward slash online. You can learn about all of our online programs there, www.msm.edu forward slash online. You'll learn about all of our online programs, all of our offerings. You'll be able to get in touch with anybody on our team, including me. This has been amazing, Christopher. Thank you for the invitation. No, thank I, you so I, I much. I can't believe our time is up. Thank I you. know. It, 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 passed, it passed so quickly. Thank you again so much for being a part of the program. It's an honor to work closely with you and the Morehouse team on what we're doing. And I look forward to continuing to be uh, you know, a supporter of this and future activities that you are involved in as well. Thank you everyone for taking time out your busy schedule to spend a little time with us as well. I appreciate your continued support. As I've stated before, your comments and feedback are always welcomed. I look forward to hearing from you, even if it's constructive feedback, uh, which we can all, uh, I can definitely appreciate as well. So until next time, take care, God bless, and see you on the other side. Thank you so much for listening to Straight Outta Health IT. We hope you enjoyed today's guest. For more unfiltered dialogue of healthcare leaders and influencers, be sure to tune in next week. For the show notes, transcripts, and resources, please visit Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite streaming platform. We invite you to give us feedback by reaching out to Christopher Cunney on LinkedIn, just searching for Straight Outta Health IT, and you'll find us. We are constantly having live discussions about diverse topics in the industry. 